the book we read for this episode is Land Whale by Jess Baker. Before I get into telling you a little bit about my guest, I just have a couple of quick things I want to talk to you about. First off, we're going to talk about body image, body liberation in this episode. And if these concepts start to sound interesting to you and you're kind of wondering how you would get started with this, I've created a really simple checklist. And yes, it's a really a checklist, like there's check boxes and everything, which is super satisfying. And it's just kind of got some things that can start to move the needle for you on how you feel about your body. If you go to my website, IWishIWereMe.com, right there on the front page, you will see a little circle that says your better body image checklist. And if you click on that, you'll get your copy. I promise you it'll be worth your while. The second thing I want to say is that I am so grateful for all of you who have downloaded these episodes. It just makes my day when I know that there are people out there who are listening. And I know you're listening not so much because of me as a host, but because these books that we're reading are really impactful and really, really awesome. And I know you're listening because my guests are amazing. But I would really love some feedback. I'd love to know what you're thinking about this podcast. I'd also like to know if there's certain books you'd like to see on here or if there's certain guests you'd like to have. So if you go to that same website, IWishIWereMe.com, at the bottom is a contact form and you can get a hold of me there. It goes directly to me. And just let me know what you're thinking. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook just by looking for I Wish I Were Me. Or you can find me on Twitter, but it's a little different on Twitter because I Wish I Were Me was taken. So I had to go with I Wish I Were Me TWT. Oh, and I almost forgot. Don't forget to wait till the end of this podcast where I tell you who my next guest is and what the next book is. Okay, now with that, I want to tell you a little bit about my guest that's coming on to talk about Land Whale. Catherine Hack is a body liberation artist and activist living in Oakland, California. She started making fat art to increase positive representation of diverse bodies. Over time, she found that creating fat art provoked spiritual awakening experiences as well. She's currently writing her first book titled Fat Mystic, where she explores how her relationship with her body and radical self-acceptance changed her life in ways she could never have anticipated. I really enjoyed this conversation with Catherine. So I found Catherine by listening to another podcast where she was a guest and I heard she was a, a an artist, which I thought was amazing, probably because my own creative talents when it comes to drawing, writing, painting, anything like that are, oh, let's say limited to be kind. And so I looked her up. I found her Instagram, I found her Facebook, and I started taking a look at some of these images she was making. And it 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 wasn't just visually beautiful, it was emotionally, I felt something looking at these pictures. And I had to have her on. So I asked her and she was very, very generous with her time. And I am so, so grateful for this interview. You'll find as we talk that Catherine is extremely optimistic and she has this very calming presence, which I really appreciated. She has a take on things that I think is unique and refreshing to hear. I had never really thought about some of the things that she talked about in this same way. And I, you'll understand what I mean when we start getting into talking about this dualism, this uh, very extreme dualism that gets talked about a lot in diet culture in terms of, you know, this food is bad, that food is good, this behavior is bad, this behavior is good. And she kind of flips it on its head a little bit and we begin to talk about how that dualistic mindset is now kind of being formulated within the body liberation community. And I think it's really interesting. And I'd love, again, to know what you think about it. But more importantly, I think that what she has to say is extremely valuable. So without any more preamble from me, here's my interview with Catherine Hack. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. 
Hi, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Let's start off with a little bit about your fat liberation journey. Tell us where you started and where you are now. Uh, my fat liberation journey, thank you for choosing that term because I love reincorporating the word fat into my vocabulary. And it absolutely is about liberating ourselves from the shame that we've all been steeped in because of the culture we've all been raised in and exposed to from infancy. So for anyone to claim that they don't have any residual effects from diet culture, I feel like that's kind of a misnomer. We're saturated in it everywhere. And so the process of moving away from that it is a liberating liberation process. So I would say that my journey specifically started when I heard a podcast, This American Life, I guess a podcast a radio interview. Um, so Lindy West had written a book, Shrill, and she talked about deciding that she was fat and that was okay. And I had not heard that. And at the time of listening, I still had a hard time hearing the word fat. It still was a very sticky word for me. So I believe that was around 2016 that I first heard it. And, you know, I right away listened to her book. Um, Roxanne Gay is also on that podcast. And I listened to, uh, I read a lot of her stuff too and listened to everything I could find of her. She's She's an enthralling writer, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I began kind of playing with what would it mean to be okay living in a fat body. Um, around that time in my life, I was also diagnosed with a chronic illness. So I happened to have something called lipedema, and that contributes to the size and shape of my body. It's considered a fat disorder. So the fat that's on my body is painful and has a different texture than regular healthy good fat. And so it's a progressive condition. Um, and it usually advances when there's major hormonal shifts and changes. So in my story, I lived most of my life as a relatively small able-bodied fat. And then I had two kids in quick succession. And my body changed really rapidly. And I didn't understand why. Uh, diet culture tells us that the reason why is because you're lazy and you've eaten too many calories. And I remember just being confounded by that. So I had internalized that idea and I was like, I've got these two little kids. My spouse is away for long days at work. I know I'm not eating enough. I can tell I get low blood sugar all the time. Why is my body growing and growing? Why am I in so much pain? And in that window of my life, there was a lot of shame too. So um, around 2016, in October, I was diagnosed with this condition. And it was like a month or two before or after that I had also heard that podcast. So what getting my diagnosis accomplished for me was like, oh, of course diet culture is wrong. Fatness is way more nuanced than we have all been taught to believe. And the size and shape of my body is because of these reasons, not because I'm some kind of a moral failure. And it is okay to live in a large body. So those two things kind of married themselves. And it took some time because... You know, getting a diagnosis can be its own thing to process, but I was really grateful that it sort of overlapped with fat liberation because it was a really helpful bridge so that I wasn't just in despair that, oh, my body's just going to get fatter and fatter and that's terrible. Um, instead, it was like, my body might change and no matter how much my body changes, I get to live with dignity. That's my choice. Wow. Isn't that interesting that it just came into your life at just that perfect time when you needed it? I would have loved for it to come decades earlier. I would have loved to have been raised by a parent who was raising their children the way I raised mine, mm -hmm. where my fat belly has been on display mm -hmm. to my children. And it's been a source of pleasure. It's like soft and squishy and they love it. And we've never said negative things about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, that would have been better, <laughs> but it, it was nice that it was nice that I had this exposure around the same time as that diagnosis. Yeah. Well, and, and teaching your kids, I think is, I mean, that's why we're here, right? To get m more of the word out to more people, but also to make sure that the generations coming are are understanding what we're learning, so that they grow up in a world that is way more inclusive than the world we grew up in. Absolutely. And I love the, you know, the example of how 
gender fluidity and LGBT, LBGTQA2, um, you know, the inclusion that's happening there, it's because our culture changed because people stood up and said, we need culture to change. And then it did. So we're capable of changing as a culture and being more inclusive. And, you know, even with like the ADA, you know, the Disabilities Act. So as a culture, I think there's a lot of healthism and ableism still present, but there are, um, there are greater accommodations for folks with disabilities. And so I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom diet culture is so evil and we're all, you know, suffering. I'm like, nope, we can change. If I can feel free, you can feel free. And it didn't happen overnight, but it happened. And so I get to live with hope and I don't live in fear and I don't live in shame anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like you said, there's so much nuance there. There's so much um, I, I was telling you before at the beginning, uh, that I had gone to the mall to look for an interview for, uh, an outfit for an interview that I have upcoming. And, uh, I went to my favorite store in the mall Torridge, shout out <laughs> and tried to find something. And today I'm just having a bad body image day. Like I'm just having a day where I just don't, feel good in my body. And so it wasn't the best day to maybe try to go try on clothes and find something that works. And then when I got home, I was like, you know, I have nothing to be ashamed of. It has nothing to do with me or my body. It has to do with how I'm feeling today. It has to do with other bigger systematic things, but I can choose right now to get myself into a better frame of mind. And, and that's, I picked up the book we're talking about today, Land Whale, and started flipping through it in order to prepare for this interview. And it got me in such a better headspace. It's like, you know what, Jen, you're okay. You're okay. Just take a deep breath. You are fine. You know, be grateful for the things that you've got. Be grateful for the body you have. And just know that today is how you're feeling in your body today. That doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to feel worse or you're going to feel the same. <laughs> right, right. That's a thing about the human condition. We get really nervous whenever we're having a rough patch that this is forever now. And it's yeah. funny, the fact that we can't hold on to the fact that we changed constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just almost well it is laughable. I'm laughing yeah. about it because we forget every single time we're having a bad day that bad days are temporary. And, you know, yeah, we just resist, resist, resist. And it doesn't accomplish as much as settling in and offering ourselves a bit of compassion and just being. And it's okay. It won't be forever. This is not the end of the world. I'm not dying. I'm just I'm just in a yeah, bummed out mood. It's exactly. not the end of the world. Well, and I think we can jump into the book now because she has so many examples of this kind of thing. And she talks about us uh, really sitting with the gray area. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, she talks about uh, her experience at Hogwarts. That's where I was going. <laughs> her experience at Hogwarts, where she tries to fit into a seat for a ride. And her and her friend are both trying to fit into this seat. And her friend pulls the clasp down and it fits no problem. And the author pulls hers down and it won't even go to like, the third setting where she needs it to go. Right. And they're chatting afterwards and they're going, well, you know, they wear the same size clothes and they weigh the same. And yet one could fit and one couldn't. And right. I think to me, that was, and she makes a good point where she says, you know, talking about uh, weight loss th surgery, which is what she kind of brought this whole story up for doesn't fix the problem because every body is different. And I loved it when you talked about that because it, it does put it in the gray area. You can't all of a sudden create this arbitrary line and say, okay, you're too fat. You need to diet or get weight loss surgery. Yeah. And you're not yeah. that fat. So you're okay. Like it creates these arbitrary lines that I don't think we want to create. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as human beings too, we are constantly tempted to put every experience we have into a dualistic um, space. So right, wrong, black and white. 
And this is what I think Justice really, really well. She brings up a topic and says, let's look at this and move away from there's a yes and a no and see that there's, there's complexity. So yes, there's complexity in fatness. Um, there's complexity in um, an individual's choice of what they want to do with their own bodies, right? And as the, the fat positive community or the fat liberation community, she really lays out some great thoughts about our temptation to say weight loss surgery is always 100% bad and you're rejected now. The fat community is rejecting you. You celebrity got this surgery. How dare you abandon us? <laughs> And she, she just very, with grace and love, says, well, couldn't this person be allowed to make their own decision for themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we have to take responsibility and make these kinds of choices for ourselves. So, you know, I think coming out of diet culture, what we, as a fat community, what we are sort of all agreeing on is, hey, intentional weight loss is problematic because it leads to first of all, diet failure, you know, it's, it's hard on your system to, you know, reduce the calories you take and put your body in that starvation mode. And some of the weight will probably come off for a while, but then it comes back and more. I mean, so there's all these studies that we all pretty well know, but you know, sometimes there's a different kind of medical diagnosis and someone needs to try something creative and someone wants to still say, I'm making peace with my body, but I've got this other issue that I'd like to address these ways. And it, it doesn't serve us as a community to try to be black and white, to try to be yes, no, right, wrong. And we, we talk a lot of shit about the moral implication of fatness. So our wider culture says, you're immoral when you're fat. That's, that's a moral failing of some kind, right? So, so we as a fat community, we don't like that. But then what we are guilty of in the fat community then is sometimes saying, you are morally failing now if you choose weight loss. We, it's this two sides of the same coin. So if we don't want that kind of judgment passed on us, it would behoove us to not pass it on others. So others that are in the community that are saying, hey, you know, I really want to love and accept my body, but I still want my body to change. Can we not judge them? Can we offer them the tools and the grace and the support to say, this is how you can make peace with your body and you are grown up. Good luck on your journey. Can we do that? Are we capable of that? And I think Jess does a great job. Jess Baker does an incredible job of helping us answer that question and mull it over. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so too. She started talking about, um, her internal turmoil about being diagnosed the binge eating pill for another reason and feeling like a failure in the community because she was going to take this, which was helping her mental illness. And that is such a, a weighty thing to deal with as someone, especially someone in her position who is very well known and has done a lot of good things. And she's worried that she's putting herself on the line by taking this pill, even though it will help her mental health. And I, and I think we can all, uh, another thing I think that kind of comes out in this community is that we are, all need to redefine health for ourselves and bring it to either, you know, I mean, lots of people talk about health at every size and we'll probably get into that here. But um, we do, I think, commonly agree that the way health is defined as just weight within our community is uh, not within our community, sorry, within our culture is not okay. And it doesn't actually reflect what is the reality for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think she does. And she, when she brings that moral dilemma up, then she starts talking about uh, her frustration, frustration with trying to figure out whether or not having the laser surgery on her, on the hair that comes onto her face because of PCOS, whether or not she's deviating from <laughs> from the fat liberation uh manifesto i guess yeah how much can we alter ourselves is what she's asking us yeah so if we're saying no intentional weightness weight loss but we all dye our hair or many of us dye our hair some of us decide to groom our faces in a certain way where we tweeze eyebrows or pluck those rogue hairs but then there's people that want to grow out their facial hair and that's fine too and you know so 
yeah, like how much is the size and shape of our body allowed to be in that space if we're trying to be liberated? Yeah. And then I also love, it's really nuanced, right? She also brings in, well, what does this mean for people who are trans or people who are non-binary? Like their gender expression is their choice, but they're altering what, you know, what they were at one point, right? So can we alter ourselves in this community and where's the line and can it be nuanced? Do we have space as human beings on this journey to allow grace for other human beings to make decisions different than you would make for yourself. It's so complicated. Like when she started bringing up all those questions, all of a sudden I was like, um, it's not so black and white anymore. (laughs) It's not. not. And very little in life is black and white. If we, if we stop trying to control other people and just focus on ourselves, um, there's plenty of room for the gray to be fine to be okay. It doesn't threaten you in your liberation journey for me to make a choice different than you would make. So have you had this kind of issue come up for you in your life where you're wondering if a choice you're going to make is going to affect whether or not you can actually still call yourself on a fat liberation journey? Oh, a little bit. So I've become someone who has connected my fat liberation journey to spiritual awakening. I did not expect this to happen at all. Um, I have a background as being someone pretty religious, and I was once a a Pentecostal pastor. um, And a part of participating, participating in a conservative worldview. And all that changed about 11 years ago. And, um, but then... And then my spirituality was pretty dormant for a while, you know, and I was having these small kids and going through all these different things. And then in my fat liberation journey, I started making art really prolifically almost overnight. So I started that in 2018. Well, there's something about the creative endeavor and the creative process that in my personal experience sort of opens us up to the divine or the universe or creator, whatever you want to call it. I'm pretty fine with anyone's terms, but it, it did awaken in me, um, uh, a new spiritual expansion and worldview. So in that space, I have contemplated what would healing look like for me? Is that something that's available to me? Um, so does that mean I'm going to go chase around faith healers? I don't know. I'm pretty resistant to being dogmatic about anything these days because my old worldview was incredibly fundamentalist and dogmatic. But if my body healed, if the chronic pain that I live in, if there was some way for that to heal, um, what would that mean for my body shape? What would that mean for my relationship in the fat community? Um, And I've been really careful to sort of sift through my desire to live pain-free versus any desire for my body shape to be different. And there's a lot of nuance there. And, and, you know, also I've made a lot of peace with my body, including the pain that I live with and the fatigue that I live with. And it has taught me a lot of beautiful, valuable things. So it's the, it's if this has been a gift to me, you know, sometimes we can take a hand that was dealt to us that feels like these aren't good cards, but then if we will embrace them and learn about them, um, maybe they're not all bad. Maybe there is a way to sort of flip that card over and you see, oh my God, this guy magical powers. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've become pretty woo <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And, um, it, it feels fine to me now. I was pretty like um, timid about it for a good while, but it's just the truth of my experience and I'm grateful for it. And yeah. So when I, when I do meditations and I kind of mentally walk through where there's pain in my body, I'm trying to speak to my body and say, Hey body, what are you telling me? Hey body, is there some way for this pain to shift? And, um, and sometimes I see some relief. Uh, so yeah, Hmm. that's my long answer to your question. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. I, um, connecting with my body has been, and I, I think 
Jess talks about it a little bit in here where she's talking about how health at every size is this concept that she can wrap, wrap her head around because she's, you know, mm-hmm. she's smart. She's an intelligent woman. She, she totally gets it, but she struggles with actually implementing it in her life. And I have found for me that that body-mind connection for me has been very difficult. So I, I'm kind of worked through intuitive eating and uh, with intuitive eating, they ask you to feel your hunger. And that was very difficult for me at the beginning. It was very, very hard. I've been a chronic dieter for two decades. Like it's a long time to have people telling you what you need to eat and when, and you're not hungry yet. So actually saying to my body, okay, you tell me when you're hungry was very, very difficult to kind of try and wrap my brain around. And and now I feel that hunger is not a problem. I can feel hunger and I can feel that nuance in the hunger. It's the fullness that is not quite there yet. I, And sometimes uh, I know in that journey, they ask you to maybe try putting the food down about halfway through and just seeing how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. There's been times where I've done that where I have felt full. Like I felt the feeling of fullness, but my brain is going, you want more though. And that's, in in my, for me and for my journey, that's just where I'm at and I'm okay with it. I'm like, sometimes I'm just going to pick it back up and eat it, even though I know I'm full. And that's, that's okay. Trying to accept myself and, and honor that connection that I'm having. It's been very difficult. Has there been any other concepts within this world, like health at every size, intuitive eating, or even some of the social justice things that come up that have been more difficult to incorporate into your journey? Well, you know, just to piggyback on your example, I would say, you know, um, for a large population of human beings, there's also abuse in our past. And that breaks up the body-mind connection too. So when we go back through trauma, so I feel like there's trauma that we experience from living in fat bodies and being exposed to diet culture. Sometimes there's also other traumas in our background and childhoods, right? Those are a lot of things to, um, to kind of your body pulls back and it protects itself. Right. So the mechanisms that we use sometimes, if we do end up having food as a source of comfort, then it's been a gift to us. Right. Then it's it's been a survival mechanism. So one of the things um, through my relationships on Instagram, I've been exposed to somatic therapy. Uh, Soma is another word for body. And so this is where and a lot of trauma work is done in these uh, on these in these spaces. Wow. When we, I feel like body liberation, it absolutely has to include reconnecting with your body. There, there are these large concepts that are intellectual concepts that you can choose to align yourself with, but to truly be liberated as your own individual person, you have got to reignite your relationship with your individual body. And this happens through healing of past traumas, offering ourselves compassion for everything that hurts. So my practice of offering myself compassion, I felt really silly about for a a while before it became something I was comfortable with, but I will quiet myself just laying in my bed. I'm not like a fancy meditator. I just lay down and I just, whatever hurts, sometimes it's emotional wound. Sometimes it's physical pain in my body. And I say out loud to myself, Catherine, I'm so sorry that your thighs hurt so much right now. Um, Catherine, I'm so sorry that that experience from childhood keeps coming up again and that that hurt you in these different ways. And that sometimes I'll be really specific and sometimes I'll be vague. But what would happen is our body holds so much, right? And it's because we don't have the tools yet to process it, especially these things that have happened since we were young. You know, we're exposed to diet culture from the, from births, from childhood. So they get locked into our body. And then when we offer ourselves physically trying to connect with your body and offer yourself compassion, some of those things will just kind of lift up and out. And then I find more freedom. I find more peace. I have more peace with my body 
living in a quite large body now. I'm on that line between super fat and InfiniFat. And when I was a small fat, like size 20, very able-bodied, I felt shame about my body, shame that I don't feel now. And that's such a fascinating um, contrast because what that says to me is that body liberation and body shame know no size, right? You can be liberated at any size mm -hmm. and you can be riddled with shame at any size. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting, actually. And so true. Like, I felt like the mic drop at that point when you said that, because that is, I look back at pictures of myself when I was at my smallest. And same, same thing. I feel like I can remember being that girl and being so consumed by what my size mm -hmm. was and what I was wearing mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. also what people thought of me and right. buying into all these the system of diet culture that I needed to be a certain way in order to belong. And now I look at pictures or like I did this morning in the mirror in the change room and it's not shame. Even when I'm, even when I'm not feeling good about my body, it's not shame that I'm feeling. And that's, um, that's, that's huge. That is really big. You know, and especially when you consider the world that we're living in that is filled with these big systems that that we can't we can't fight alone. Right. You know, and I think Jess yeah. really talks about some pretty concrete examples, but I thought they were I thought it was really cool that she brought up things like you know, she wanted to go skydiving and she wasn't going to hold herself back and she gets there and she's over the certain size limit. So she has to pay the fat tax. You know, yeah. this is a, a system of oppression that um, you're not going to be able to fight alone. And you're, you're, um, it, it's not, it's meant to keep people who are in larger bodies from doing things that someone in a normal size body would want to do to be, you know, like it's a big life goal. It's a big deal. It's, it's cool. I'm going yeah. skydiving. I'm going snorkeling, you know, and, and it's meant to keep fat people from doing those things. Yeah. I would say some of it is also an unconscious bias. Mm. So yes. white supremacy is an unconscious bias. And what we're doing as a culture, I, I would love more of us to be doing it. We're, we're trying to bring it into our consciousness where the default is white. The default is also usually male. The default is heterosexual cisgender. So the default is a body size and shape that is a pretty narrow spectrum, right? And I would even avoid saying the word normal, right? So, but that's, that's the default because of our programming. And again, that's why I started making the art because our culture has sent us messages via, you know, arts and media um, that has reinforced white supremacy and whiteness as the default, these body shapes as the default. And when we see representation in any marginalized category, it helps push back against what our default norms are programming, right? So culture has programmed all of us very effectively. And this is the beautiful thing. This is why I feel like I had this awakening experience connected to my own body liberation journey because I stopped drinking the Kool-Aid, right, of culture. And it is a little bit beyond just diet culture. It's some of these other systems that you're referencing. So the people that are, you know, uh, making a fat tax when it comes to jumping out on an airplane, some of that is default. Sometimes there's overt oppression, you know, but I think that's way lower compared to just this unchecked bias mm -hmm. and this default mode because we've all been programmed, right? And again, in our fat community, I would like to encourage us to resist the temptation to say, you know, um, you are canceled, you motherfucker, for being a bigot who hates fat people. They're probably not bigots. They've been indoctrinated in culture just like all of us are. And I'm not saying we have to go out of our way to educate them. You need to do whatever is right for you. But I'm just saying they're also human and they have 
they have all the brilliance of humanity within them that you expect people to see in you. So when we should, I don't want to see us continuing to say we're right and you're wrong and therefore you're bad, right? Um, they're just on their journey too. I often think about how when I was at my smallest, so when I was at my smallest, I did a couple of bodybuilding shows. So I was quite small and also the epitome of what health was supposed to look like, right, in our culture. Um, Meanwhile, there was a lot of sickness going on inside. But, you know, from the outside looking in, that's how I looked. And, And even though if someone was to sit me down and say, you work out four to five hours a day, you do, you, you're eating such a small amount. You're, you know, I mean, the list goes on in the disordered behaviors. I still wouldn't have got it. It still Mm, wouldn't have made any sense to me. I still would have been like, well, no, this is this, you know, I, I would have totally resisted this idea. And I, and sometimes when I'm talking to people, I kind of try to, pull that girl out of me and say, it's okay. Like this girl had bought in so heavily, she wouldn't have listened either, you know? Um, But at the same time, like I agree when Jess was talking about how she really liked Anthony Bourdain and then he made a fat phobic joke, she stopped watching him. I I totally agree with that. I, I would do the same thing. You know, if someone made a fat phobic comment, it would be like, okay, I don't have to educate you, but I also don't have to support you. Right. And you can make that choice for yourself individually. Exactly. I think as a community, us trying to police behavior is problematic. It's the same thing that we feel has been done to us. And I just don't think that it's helpful. I think we need to take responsibility as individuals. So my favorite TV show is Parks and Rec, and I watch it all the time. And there's a lot of fat phobia in Parks and Recreation. Um and there's also, you know, a couple characters that are uh, in large bodies and are celebrated. So there's a tension in that. And I wish the fat phobia wasn't there. But also, I can watch it without it injuring me or um, reducing my ability to feel my own dignity in the world. Mm. Right. And I'm able to make that choice for myself. And so anyone else is able to make that choice for themselves, too. Right. That's a really and good I just, point. I, yeah, I want us to treat one another like grown-ups in the fat community. And again, back to Jess's book, I love she's very deep, deep and thoughtful about so many of these topics. And she like does this fantastic job of sort of talking out loud and chewing it all up and and looking at it from every angle. And um, it's just a brilliant, a brilliant memoir. I really love it. She overthinks this overthinks things and I love it because what comes out is always something that's brilliant. So like, uh, what, I can't remember what it was she was talking about, which one of the many examples she was using, but something had happened to her. And then she even says in the book, I had to sit down and process that for a minute. Like it took her and I sort of went, yes, like we, a, we should all be doing that. Like that's a great way to handle when something kind of feels icky to kind of try to put it into words. Um, and then she kind of just goes off on the situation and puts everything into a perspective that I really found helpful. Yeah. Even though, like you said, she's living in the gray. Right. And here's the cool thing. We can all get better at this by just reconnecting with our body. Mm -hmm. Our body is so brilliant. When you feel icky about something, our cultures told us to bypass it. When you feel that well up of, I need to cry. Our body tells us to bypass that. It's too risky just to cry. You know, being vulnerable doesn't have to be petrifying. It can just be a state that is also temporary. It won't be forever. And so when we, when we bypass the icky feeling, when we gaslight ourselves, right, then we're, we're disconnecting again from our body. But our body will be the most brilliant teacher if we will just let it. So any signal that you get from your body um, if we can just pause and just listen and just check in with kindness, with compassion, with curiosity, sometimes just with observation and non-judgment, you know, all of these things will help us live our most best life and it will help us be liberated in every possible way. She also talks about how her dad was extremely fat phobic. So her dad went through these cycles where he would 
binge and then he would try to lose the weight with really, really destructive behaviors. And he sort of passed this on to, to Jess to the point where she thought she was always a fat kid. And when she looks through the scrapbooks and realizes she actually wasn't even really chubby until about 13. So this kind of stuff where we don't process the trauma going through our bodies and we don't process these, these um, icky feelings that I just called them means that we're going to pass them on to someone and that person's going to have to deal with them. And to me, that was a huge um, lesson in the book. Absolutely. Yeah. My own parents are both very fat phobic. You know, my, my dad's passed on, but my mother has, you know, she, she doesn't say as much fat phobic stuff and she doesn't, she says it against herself mostly, but you know, I've been able to influence our conversations some where I'm hearing it less from her, but I see pictures of myself when I was young and in college and I, I'm, I'm maybe chubby, but I'm not, I'm not what I thought that I was back then. And then I see some pictures of myself in my twenties and I'm like, God damn, I had no idea that I was gorgeous. You know, I still believe that I'm gorgeous now, but I was, I, I just had no idea that I was beautiful, you know, that I, and again, when I meditate, sometimes I go back and I visit that younger version of Catherine and I'm like, Hey, you're beautiful. I want you to know that you get to know that too, you know, and, and beauty can be anything. Like I find a lot of beauty in humanity, but she, you know, me as a 20 year old, I did not know that. And I didn't walk around embodying any sense of self-confidence. And so it, it feels good. To sort of Sorry. Do you think part of that was because of the fat phobia that you were feeling from your parents? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's all of it that I just described. It's unprocessed trauma. It's being completely disconnected from my body. It's yeah. allowing cultural messaging to be the loudest voice in my own head. Now the loudest voice in my head is my own voice. And it is kind because I get to decide that I'm kind to myself. So when I say that I've had this awakening experience, it it means that culture isn't loud anymore and no external voice gets to be louder than my aligned, kind voice that I offer to myself as I navigate life. Well, and you kind of brought up media there and I kind of want to, uh, we're closing out here and I wanted to get to Jess's talk about body positivity versus body liberation. So she makes a point of talking about body positivity being kind of fluffy, I guess, in a way, and then how it just doesn't actually uh, represent how she honestly feels. And I like how she talks about body liberation. She's saying it's, it's freedom from outside expectations, even our own. It's not having to love your body all the time. It's not asking permission to be included in society's ideal of beauty. And it's bucking the concept of beauty as currency. When you read that, or maybe maybe the question is more, what are your thoughts on body positivity as, as we see it now out in the media versus body liberation? And is this move the right one? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm generally kind of okay with it. I mean, if, if body positivity is the thing that leads someone towards actual liberation or body neutrality, I don't know that it's a bad thing. I understand the conversation about it being co-opted and um, watered down. Um, but again, I still feel like we need to treat other human beings as grown-ups. So we're all exposed to culture. And if culture has been, hate your body, hate your body, and then culture says, uh, oh, there's this little fringe group over here saying body liberation. Let's make that more palatable and say, hey, body positivity. And if that's what's in the mainstream versus hate your body, hate your body, I, I don't know that that's bad. I think as individual human beings, we need to do with it whatever we're going to do with it. Some people are not interested in this process. And I'm not going to wring their hands to try to get them to come along. I'm not going to grab someone without their own free will. Um, so, so I think if you want it, it's out there now. 
right? And if body positivity is like, oh, what if I can think differently about my body? You know, I, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I don't think that that many things are bad anyway. <laughs> so I think there's a way to navigate life where we're not screaming fire yeah. all, t- all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of good. Human beings are progressing in a way that makes me optimistic. It doesn't mean I deny things that are hard and terrible and that human beings suffer, but in my own suffering, of which there has been plenty, it can be healed. It can be redeemed. And I will quickly own the fact that I live in a privileged way, but I think even in much smaller ways for someone who doesn't have the privileges that I have, there is a way to find peace and hope with your with your body or engage in a relationship with your body or make incremental changes where you are putting your yourself in front of culture right you're choosing you over expectations so yeah so again like there's there's plenty of room for nuance if if someone wants to claim body positivity because it sounds more palatable than fat liberation because they're just not there yet Good luck on your journey. Congratulations. (laughs) Well, I think that that's a beautiful way to think about it. Very inclusive. Yeah. Is there any last thoughts you want to put out there about the book? I just, I like to listen to books like this on uh, on an audio version and listening to someone tell their own story was just a particular joy. So I walked away from listening to this book feeling like Jess Baker and I are totally friends, (laughs) that we hang out every other weekend. Um, Yeah. And I, I just love that. I think you know, for those of your listeners that are out there, if you want to listen to insights and, you know, someone's personal story, Jess Baker also left fundamentalism. She was a a Mormon at one time. Um, That's a really interesting conversation that, you know, has really informed my life. I wasn't a Mormon, but there's that same fundamentalist worldview that I also left behind. Um, So I just couldn't recommend it enough. Jess Baker's brilliant. Her work is brilliant. I love that I got to read it and listen to her tell me her story. Fantastic. Well, I guess we'll kind of end off with you telling our listeners where they can find you and all about some new projects you've got on the go. Oh, yay. Um, So I'm a body liberation artist and um, making art as part of my journey really, really helped, I think, kind of propel me faster into a liberated place. I happen to think that when we add creativity of any kind to whatever our work is, um, whatever we're working on in our life, uh, it can be writing, um, like poetry or, or, you know, comedy or, you know, visual arts like what I do. Oh, I told you I was going to tell you about this. If you look uh, at my Instagram, it's Catherine Hack. That's all. It's just at Catherine Hack, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-H-A-C-K. And um, you'll see lots of beautiful images of diverse body types. And I happen to marry into the name Hack. So that's my, my married last name. But I am absolutely an art hack. Um, the images that you you see on Instagram, which are for sale, and I do take commissions, um, they're all done on my phone. So I use phone apps to extract a silhouette. Someone will give me a photograph or I'll take a photograph of myself. I'll use one app to take the silhouette and pull it out. And usually I'll, I'll pull it out as like an all black and doubt silhouette. And sometimes like if there's like really gorgeous fat rolls or something, sometimes those will still be present in the silhouette. So it'd be just black and white. And then I will overlay digitally in another app or another two or three apps because I have like a whole, (laughs) I have a whole mess of them now. Um, And I'll just take one image and play. And um, I'll be in and out of a whole bunch of different apps and I'll end up saving like 50 different versions of it on my phone until as I'm in this state of play, I just, I, I put one last thing on and I, and it's done. And it's sort of this like beautiful experience of like, there it is, done. And sometimes I'll have an idea of what I want to accomplish with the silhouette and it'll challenge me. It'll stretch me a little bit to see like, oh, can I do this with my hacks, right? Like, can I like maneuver this imagery over here? And, you know, um, you know, I do a lot of like playing with different quotes and things too. 
Uh, and it's, it's not something that requires you to be great at drawing. And so I would like to encourage, you know, you and your listeners to, you know, download some phone apps and, uh, and then just play, like take a picture of yourself as dressed or undressed as you're comfortable and, and feel what it feels like to add beautiful imagery over just your silhouette and see if that moves the needle for you. It absolutely moved the needle for me. On my bad body days, I'm pretty neutral about my body. I don't live in shame and I don't have loathing or self-hatred. So in my life, making the art absolutely played a big role in that. So um, let's start there. Just find me on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook if you're not on Instagram. And um, yeah, you can always DM me. And um, I would love to make a piece of art with anyone out there. And, and looking at it, it just, all the feedback I get from the people that do commissions with me are like, oh my God, I didn't know how much I would feel looking at this. And that makes me feel so good. I feel just honored to be part of that. My experiences with Fat Liberation have also, like I said, created these spiritual awakening experiences in me. And so I'm writing uh, my own memoir about that, which I'm hoping it will be out in 2020. That is so exciting. And I can't get over Yay. you do that with your phone. That's crazy. Or, or on the computer. That is crazy. Because your art is beautiful. It's very beautiful Thank and you. very powerful. Looking at those images struck something in me. So it's gorgeous. Yeah. I hope the listeners go and check it out. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I sometimes just keep an eye on my page because sometimes I give away free digital prints. And um, so it just means I email you a high res image that you can just have um, my work kind of getting out there in the world. I do feel like it has an energy connected to it and it's, it's helping us. It's healing us. And uh, I feel super honored that that gets to be part of my role in this community. Well, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on fat girl book club. Thank you, Jennifer. I had the best time. I hope you found that interview just as thought provoking as I did. Just a couple of things on the way out. First off, if you decide to buy the book, please go to IWishIWereMe.com and you can click on Fat Girl Book Club and there's an Amazon affiliate link. You would really be helping me out and supporting this podcast if you decided to use that link. On that same webpage, you're going to find a way to sign up for updates so you know what books and what guests are coming up. Next interview that will be coming to you is an interview with a registered dietitian, Dahlia Kinsey, and we're going to be talking about body respect. What a great book and what a great guest. So you're not going to want to miss that. So make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app of choice. Lastly, I would be so grateful if you would jump into whatever podcast app it is you're listening to this episode on and give me a rating that really helps to boost us up. And if you've got a couple of extra minutes, I would really appreciate a review. That also really, really helps us out. Thank you so much for listening and keep reading everyone. Everyone.